Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, psychological health, physical health, emotional health, awareness in men, women and society. First, it started with MAN, M-A-N, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And dare I say it, we have a very special guest on the show for you today. And the reason why I'm going to say dare I say it is because we had a laugh about something earlier and we're going to talk about it now. (laughs) Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Richard Pryor, and um, I, I guess where, where I share this, a lot of you are going to have met me on LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've got a, I've got around a bit to have this conversation, and thank you so much for welcoming me on the show. Yeah, it's a real, real, real honour to be here. Thank no, it's, you. Um, um, we, you know, whereabouts, whereabouts are you? Whereabouts are you at the moment in the world? So, uh, as most people are, rooted in the kitchen, <laughs> uh, but in. In, in the beautiful, uh, the beautiful surroundings of, of Oxfordshire, yeah. um, not a native as you can probably tell from my tone. I'm a Brummie <laughs> by nature, so oh, yeah, kept that with me. So I'm we're, a Brummie. And whereabouts? And for the listeners who don't know about the UK, you know, some some people only know London as the UK. Okay. Where is where is Oxford and Oxfordshire? Oh, so Oxfordshire is uh, closer to London than Birmingham. <laughs> it's uh, it's a popular commuter belt for London. It's about sixty miles up north, slightly. I think from, you're testing my geography now. I don't recall, I don't recall agreeing to geography on this podcast. Eh? <laughs> Essentially, you jump on one of the main motorways and you're down in London. I'm just, I've got to just go admit that I, my geography is rubbish, man. <laughs> Anyway, I know how to get to London because I'm a big fan of theme parks and I love Thorpe Park, so I can get to Thorpe Park um, in a relatively short amount of time. I was going to say um, to you, you know, driving from the the Midlands, you say Brummie. Yeah. I remember driving to Oxford or driving through Oxford. I'm sure there's loads of round. I mean, I don't know if I'm, you know, maybe a long while now, but there's loads of roundabouts trying to get to where I was trying. I can't remember where I was trying to get to, but there must have been loads did, of. Did you get lost in Swift? That's Swindon, <laughs> yeah, which is on the, which is not far away. It's only I don't know about half an hour drive, but right on the skirts, kind of fringes. Yeah, it's well known for it, mate. Did you go down the bit? There's one. There's one that just sticks in my memory from Swindon, and um, I can't picture it in my head, but it's just it's famous locally, and it's got there's about I don't know. Oh, I wish I could remember how it works now. I was tempted to look on my phone and show yeah, you. Yeah, we got yeah, the cameras on, so I can show you. Uh, let me let me see if I can find it. You keep asking questions, and I'm going to take. I'm going to get a picture of this famous roundabout for yeah. you. Go on. I remember, I remember going down there, and it was so many roundabouts. I was thinking, how do I get off here? Where do I get off? Um, and I think it was when it was newly. Was it when it was newly built? A long time ago. But it's so scenic. It was so nice. But going round and roundabout wasn't my um, ideal day out because it took me ages to get to where I was going. Oh my gosh. There it is. There it is. Oh my gosh. Yes. Do you remember that one? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. I know we're talking about mental health, but I, I honestly <laughs> think you do need therapy after you've been through that roundabout. I mean, look at the space of that. It's a shame you can't see it, guys, but that is an absolute monster of a roundabout, yeah, that is. Yeah, look yeah, yeah, I remember it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gives me the sweats just thinking about having gone round that before. Yeah, I know the ones you mean. Famous roundabout in Swindon. Yeah. There you go, folks. If you're not from the UK, you now have a destination island to visit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're from you're from Birmingham. We spoke about um, yeah. In fact, because you didn't geography, let's get your geography then going with Birmingham. Where is Birmingham? 
So, so Birmingham is actually the, the, the centre, really, of England, and it's about 120 miles north of London, um, second city, fabulous city, got its problems like everywhere, every city, got its fantastic aspects like every city, um, spent a long time working in the inner city of Birmingham, yeah. uh, I didn't tell you this before, with musicians, you know, mentoring wow. musicians, worked with some great... Um, some of the old famous Birmingham musicians like Pato Banton used oh, to work with really? Pato Banton quite yeah. a lot. Really? What a guy! What a guy! Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, born and bred many many decades in Birmingham. Yeah. Um, uh, fantastic city. I, lo- I love it. So I, I still love Birmingham. You know, I, I feel still feel a bit like a tourist in Oxford, to be honest. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be a you know, Birmingham's will always be will always be my home essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm- for the listeners again about Oxford we'll go, we'll go to Oxford because I know Birmingham is quite um, um, it's, it's, it's a massive place um, mm. so it doesn't have well maybe on the outskirts like any city but Oxford has a different kind of feel to it in terms of obviously the the, the universities and there's loads yeah. of bikes I mean I remember going mm. there and there was loads of bikes it's very scenic isn't it and very kind of um, how can you put it? Old school in a sense of the, the buildings are kind of um, listed and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, how, how have you how have you found the transition from being a you know the city of Birmingham to, to city Oxford? boy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I I've loved it. The the change of pace is nice. Um, you know, the, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you're going into Oxford City Centre in the morning, the traffic's horrendous. There's only one main route in, like the A40, which, yeah. you know, the, the commute's about from me about oh, 20 miles, and it it can take anything up to two hours just wow. to do that route. So it's a yeah, it's really it's a really <laughs> heavily. Um, there's a lot of roads that all come into to the centre of Oxfordshire and it gets jammed. So it still has its problems that you would expect like a city to have. Yeah, yeah. But inside, yeah, it's, it's very, oh, if I dare say, almost, it's almost a bit Harry Potter-like, some, yeah, of, the, yeah. some of the buildings, yeah, you know, yeah, it's it got is, that yeah. kind of almost mystical feel yeah, to it. it very scenic. Um, and of course, it's surrounded by the Cotswolds, which is just a beautiful beautiful area scenery wise and with some stunning old villages um and on manor houses and yeah yeah. yeah, blenheim palace up the road you know places like that so very historic um lots and lots of green space tons and tons of farms i found out the other day and yeah it's just it's just a really it's a really pretty place and yeah, um, becoming yeah. a bit more built up like everywhere now I think houses going up left right and centre which isn't pleasing some of the locals but uh, such is the nature of development nowadays but yeah very different um, <clears throat> but I love it I do I do I, I do really love the place yeah, um, yeah. So I wouldn't want, I, although I love Birmingham I wouldn't want to move from here really <laughs> really so do, you, do you, you so you see there's home now for, the, for now or for the future or Oh yeah, no, I, I I love it here. Um, like, but like I say, Birmingham's always going to be my home because of you know I spent so long there. Um, you know, family, friends, all there. But in regards to Oxford, Oxford and Oxfordshire, it's I've always been drawn to the region. Um, 
there's just something quite special about it. I think the only thing that would want I would move from here to go to is somewhere by the seaside because uh, I think you know, waking up in the morning here in the seaside, you know, in the sea, and you know, walking on the beach, things like that would be very nice, even if it's cold. I'd still like to do it. That's the one thing I miss. Oxford's quite landlocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. A bit more difficult to get to the the seaside from here. But other than that, I mean, oh God, it sounds like a complaining when you've got the cuts once and have people people on my LinkedIn yeah, face going, "You were grateful." So, <laughs> 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 but, yeah, but yeah, so yeah, it does feel like yeah, it definitely feels so like you're a I've made many friends down here. You're huh? a villain. Yes, not, not in the terms of Robbie Banks, yeah, yeah. it's in the terms of a Villa fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I am. Means, listen, that day is a is an Aston Villa fan, um, and we we took the top of the league at the top of the top of the league at the moment with four wins. Second, second, second in the league. Yeah, game in hand on Everton over a point above us. Yeah, so we we and us Liverpool's fans took a spanking off them the other week. So. Um, this podcast, <laughs> this podcast may get interesting to, in terms of mental health. My mental health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine's much better now, Villa. We're in. <laughs> I think it's an interesting point, though. You know, because I've, I've talked to people about this. You know, about their because for those and for the benefit of those who find football boring, and I completely understand why you why you do. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, you're kind of indoctrinated into your football team, generally speaking, by your yeah. friends or your family. Yeah. For me, it was my grandfather. Um, actually, it's poignant today because it, it's his birthday. He's passed away now. It's his birthday today. But he's the he was the person that first took me to my um, my first Villa match as a as a toff, uh, and I remember being terrified of Villa Park. It was yeah. so noisy back then, and. Uh, it's it's something that becomes part of who you are in a way, becomes part of your family, you're part of a community of yeah. fellow fans, yeah, and it means a lot. And it's that sense of community. Villa have always been a very strong family club as well. My grandfather used to go around um, selling lottery tickets to make money for the club. He was yeah, a veteran yeah. of the club, so my link to the team is actually very, you know, to the club is very strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had I've had photos with the European Cup on my lap and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> really? I might show you them one day. They're pretty embarrassing, but uh, but um, yeah, it's a community thing, and I think there is a serious side of that. You know, when your teams are struggling and. You know, the, the fans get frustrated. It's like a, an extended family that they're not seeing doing well. And I, I think that can be sometimes overlooked at how stressed I think football fans... Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's part of our culture, isn't it? It's part of our identity as an individual. And, and when that's harmed, it can have it can have a detrimental effect on how you feel. I know I do, goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you do as yeah. well. <laughs> last, last, last week, yeah, last week. I did last week. <laughs> Actually, I turned around and said, what did I say? I said, what did I say? I sent a message to my friends and saying, oh, all these teams that have beaten the, the top teams, or the teams at the top, or they're not going to win the league. And it wasn't my thing. It wasn't me putting them down. It was just, how will they win the league? It's almost me saying, will they win the league? Will they? Because I don't see Liverpool win the league this year. I don't see it. Mm. Um, so I think there's going to be a change in a change in um, the guard I think I think there could be a change in the guard I don't think I can't see Liverpool winning um, so yeah but, um, sorry I was going to say a friend an old friend of mine um, it sounds a bit morbid this sorry about this he also passed away goodness me uh, yeah. I didn't mean to bring the whole tone yeah, down yeah. but he was <laughs> he, he was a very very spiritual man so actually joking aside and being absolutely serious he he, he was happy 
with his with the life he'd already led. So it's not not a sad story at all. But he was a Liverpool fan, and um, so I kind of have an affinity with Liverpool as a result of that. Because he was my, you know, sort of brothers yeah. with this guy. So um, I remember ringing him after he won the, the Champions League, and yeah. you know how exciting that was, and everything. It's great, great thing to share in. But I think Liverpool, they they changed the guard. I mean, we talk about a change in the guard, but Liverpool only changed the guard last year. And I mean, you know, Everton and Villa, two very historic clubs. Liverpool, a very historic club. I mean, really, if anything, it might be a move back to the old guard. You know, those those yeah. traditional yeah. traditional big clubs having a resurgence. And I, I love it. It keeps it interesting, even yeah. if it's not Villa. You know, it's nice to see. And, and Leicester, when Leicester won. I mean, that was, yeah, what a yeah. story that was. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's been nice, I think, last few seasons. To, to have a bit of a bit of change yeah, and to shake yeah. shake it, and even Man City did that. So yeah, and it's you know. need and it's needed to be honest. I mean, I think it was yeah, it was starting to get a bit sad. Dare say stale in terms of the same teams, the same teams winning the the, the the you know the what do you call it the Carling Cup or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, you know it just came became a bit. A bit stale for me. The same, the same, bit samey, almost yeah. a bit like La Liga. Do you know what I mean? Barcelona and Real Madrid all the time, with a, with an occasional pretender. I yeah. think, yeah, I think the Premier League's much better for it. It's and much more you, fun. And what you were saying there, what's what you said there about mental health in terms of fans? Because mm. um, mm. we're going to start kind of we can start talking about mental health because what you said then about how. I don't think some people don't people some people don't realize that when you get connected to a team and you follow them there's something a passion so you follow them with a passion and you may follow them for your so you're going to follow them for the rest of your you're not going to change teams I mean you've got an affiliation with them win lose or draw blah blah you 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 argue the task you you will um, get angry or whatever you get angry with. and yes there comes a time where you think mm, but for some people, it, it can linger for days and days and it affect their mental mm. health. Um, mm. and, and another thing as well, because the reason why I'm saying this is because I saw a story the other day and it said that there, there was a... When men, you know, men, when men play sports, uh, there was a man that committed suicide. He was in Scotland and he was an amateur footballer and he'd been playing for years and years and years. But he was like the life and soul of the the... the, the with his teammates, but people didn't realise what was going off behind. And something he, yeah. his wife said, his, his wife left to send a message, and it was very, it was brilliant, because it's the first time I've ever heard anyone say it. She said in the message that sometimes we as women, or wives or girlfriends, we nag our, um, we nag our partner for them going to watch football or going to play it. And really, that's their, mo- that's their time. We nag them. Yeah. And I'm saying, well, you take, you're going to leave, you're leaving your family and all this sort of stuff to go and watch her and come do this and blah, blah, blah. And she was basically saying that's their time. That's their time to sort, to kind of get away from things um, with, with a family unit, like you said about the, 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 the fans. You, you're together, you, you sing together, you lose together, you draw together. And it, yeah. And, that moment for the for the weekend or for the for the Saturday afternoon, you might go and eat a pucker pie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you know, go and have some. You know, you travel. You might travel to an away game. That's part yeah. of. That's part of. It's not just being a fan, is it? It's about. Um, something. It's a community. Yeah, but it's also doing something for you. 
as a person yeah. in terms of your mental health. Yes, the team might win, lose or draw, and that might have a say on it. But the bottom line is, it, it's you come away from it having been part of something and you take that yeah. for, till the next game and, you current, and it carries on for the season. So you might even follow other teams in and who's going to win and you know where, where am I? So it, it, that thing can actually help with your mental health. And we, we have a laugh about it and say teams, you know, teams in the doldrums and all that sort of stuff. But the bottom line is we're still maintaining that thing of supporting them and being our mental health because we go to work the following week or whatever and then we're looking forward and for, for a lot of men that's that's important um, because we know that women like women will talk women will talk to each other whereas men we don't have an outlay for any stresses or any um, so we might sing at the top of our voices I don't know whatever it is Probably not suitable to sing on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. And and it's that sense, feeling that sense of community, you know, belting a song out, like, yeah. like you say, sharing in that in joyous moments or frustrations with each other, having someone to talk about, something to look forward yeah. to, either, or not, yeah. um, as Villa fans didn't for many years. Yeah. But, the, the, but you don't look forward to it together. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah, you, yeah. You're dreading together. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a sense that yeah, it's a sense of family and a sense of community that's very that's very strong and it's important for you know it, it might not be football, it could be anything, but that that sense of belonging, that that sense of togetherness, of support, you know, these you might not need to talk about your mental health all the time. No. You, know? you might not need to go on for no. you know if you're going out there and you know I'm, yes, I'm a big believer in as you know in in, <laughs> in having conversations about mental health. But it is also important that those conversations, you know, they don't always have to be about mental health. Yeah, they, yeah. they can be talking about the football, feeling yeah. that sense of relief, letting off yeah. some stress, letting off some tension. Um, yeah, so it's very, imp- I think those things are important. So you, we, 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 we can, what was, what we'll start off, we'll start off with, um, we'll start already, but your discussion, your, we'll start off, we'll set, we'll set, go with this, your how can I put it? Your comeback to on social media about somebody who mentioned about mental health. Um, yes. If we, can, if we can kind of start there, if you wanted to. Um, okay. Kind of. So I don't, I don't mind. Fire away. Fire away. So I don't mind. I mean, you know, I don't mind talking about who and what my opinions yeah, are yeah. because it's just a it's a tweet. So they, you know. There was a gentleman by the name of, uh, and I'm going to start by saying I don't hate this bloke or anything like that. I haven't got a vendetta against him or anything. It's just something that he put out that I found to be, um, you know, that aggravated me, shall we say. And, and, and it's a, a gentleman by the, who's Matt, called Matt Haig. He's, a, he's an author and he's got a huge, huge, huge social media following. He says a lot of great things about mental health and he, and he makes some very, very salient and, and excellent points. But unfortunately, on World Mental Health Day, I think he made a howler of a mistake yeah. by putting a tweet out that, made, that started with saying that the mental health conversation is so boring now. Right. And, you know, honestly, 
in that moment, I'm as susceptible to emotions as everybody. Yeah. I, I practice a lot of mindfulness, but no mindfulness was working on that. <laughs> yeah. I was ste- I was steamingly angry at that point. I had to calm down for a minute, reconsider what was said, and then I shared it on LinkedIn for for discussion. Uh, and the fact that I, you know, I thought it was irresponsible. I, I, I thought, well, very poorly poor choice of words shall we say to begin that with uh with that and the other point i made on this was this man is a wordsmith you know he writes books these books include mental health in them which is great raising awareness but you must then at that point from my mind be aware of the impact of words on an audience because by nature it's your vocation and a very successful vocation so the, the issue that I took with this, and please interrupt if you want to ask a question, just, yeah, no, just, no, no, sorry, no. I'll just explain. So the issue I took with this, what well, personally was, what if the wrong person for that moment read that tweet? <clears throat> Someone who was struggling, self-stigmatizing, um, and, and I'm going to drop in a fact I've read some facts down in preparation, as you know, just yeah, some, yeah, like yeah. some uh, statistics. So this one was this is this was a, this was the fact that it kind of stuck in my head. This is from a Time to Change. Um, they do a pub quiz, which is fascinating, you know, to get people talking about mental health. But this is one of the facts on there, which is it's a question: so how long do the majority of people wait be- before telling their closest family and friends that they have a mental health? Uh, problem or, or they're struggling with their mental health and, and just leave that for a second for somebody to think how long you know that might be um and the answer is excuse me the answer is a shocking over a year over a year so people are going along struggling with their mental health the majority of people struggling with their mental health for a year before they tell anybody at that point we are nowhere near the, the point where the language of calling the mental health conversation in any context at all as boring is in any way, shape or form appropriate, yeah. especially if you're out there within an influential sphere and you're talking about mental health and you have that authority position where people will listen and take that on board. Yeah. And I just wonder how many people... Uh, now, when I posted that on LinkedIn, as I've said to you before, I, I actually welcome disagreement. I think it's important we don't live in echo chambers. Yeah. I've learned a lot by going, here's my view, what's yours? Okay, let me consider that. And then either altering my view, you know, <clears throat> changing it completely or, or becoming more resolute in what I presently believe. I was challenged my thought processes to, to be at the edge of, you know, the, of the, the most relevant modern thought, if you like, on a, on a topic. So for me, I, I put it out there and, you know, um, a, a few of my, you know, value network were, were challenging me on it, you know, perhaps calling me, you know, saying it was disingenuous or, you know, that we knew what he meant. And, and yeah, I, I absolutely knew what he meant because he went on to talk, to make some great, great points afterwards. But the thing is, it isn't about me and it isn't about the people who understood him. Exactly. It, that, it's not about us. Mental health needs to be inclusive. Yeah. Not exclusive, not just the club of people who already know or understand the good amount of mental health. Those messages need to get to the people who are waiting a year to tell their family and friends that they're struggling with their mental health. Yeah. And I just don't feel that putting that there that 
it's a, in any way, shape or form boring is is the right message to put across for those people who are still suffering in silence, of which there are millions by the sounds of it. So that, that for me, I just found, and I'm, you know, like I say, pe- people are entitled to their own opinions, just, just like I know mine's only an opinion, other people didn't share it. However, I haven't found a reason yet to also my my thinking on this I, I've still and I also got very annoyed mate I'll tell you what I said when I saw it but I noticed he'd, uh, he'd retweeted it again I was like oh now you're just having me on mate <laughs> at that point I was like I've had enough now I'm done um, <laughs> but it's like double down on that but so funny you know thing, he's funny, entitled to his opinion I was going to say anyway, funny sorry, about this is is that the irony it was that it, it wasn't just that he said that either it was the irony of it is that he said it on a particular day and it was actually on yes. mental health day now I'm, yeah. I would you know, I'm not saying this to, to because you're on the podcast or whatever but I would or you know we've, we've got some affiliation with football or whatever it may be the bottom line is I would totally agree with you because it, what if that was the only word that was read at that point because some people would read that that must have been in the first sentence so if he but it was yeah so if he said that in the first sentence some people would read that and go oh they won't they won't carry on reading what he had to say imagine somebody who didn't know who he was and yeah that. and the other the other point I, i've made around this as well is that so for just recently as a as a result of you know circles that i move in shall we say I've gained a real interest in understanding the world from the, the perspective of an autistic person. And I'm not going to label every autistic person the same, because just like everybody, every autistic person is different. <clears throat> and, but there is a, there is a high correlation um, between being autistic and anxiety. So like 50% of the autistic population has anxiety against I think 16% of the general population. So it's a massive, massive increase. And there's a lot of talk about why you'll hear this phrase neurotypical. So there's the there's the neurotypical world that we all live and exist in, if you like. Um, and for autistic people, and especially those who are, you know, high functioning autism, you know, living uh, the same lives as yourself and I, um, but they, they experience the world in a different way. And a lot of that experience can be around literal um, understanding of things. So, for example, um, sometimes, like I, you know, I've I've worked with a few autistic people. They would struggle if you told them, you know, I'll call you in a minute, and you didn't. And and for you, in a minute means this indeterminate amount of time. But it can be very actually no, in a minute. What? Hang on a minute. So, you know, it's, it's there. So for me, I look at that as well. I think, why if there's somebody really struggling with anxiety who's also an autistic person, um, or again, just in general, in the general populace, who are reading it and taking it literally and not getting further than that, that initial message. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's those people who haven't got past that initial message or the rest of the message is coloured by that first sentence. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what concerns me. Yeah, not for those of us who are... You know, fortunate enough to be able to read that and be secure enough in our mindset and know enough about mental health to understand the nuance of the message. It was, yeah, that's that's where I take I take major issue because it isn't an inclusive message at yeah. that point, is it? It's not an inclusive message then. Yeah, because then then also as well, you know, it doesn't become about 
sarcasm or tongue-in-cheek it becomes for that person because I, I've I say kids people I've worked with children with autism um, yeah I've worked with them for years and what you're saying they children with autism ADHD um, and, and 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 various other um, um, difficult learning difficulties you want to call it um, difficulties I call them fan, fan uh, something fantastic because I think they 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 have dyslexia and all those they have their qualities that we don't there's something about them that they can do differences isn't it yeah, yeah it's differences yeah. you know it's differences yeah um, some of them <laughs> some of them I've seen my forest can run from run run for miles and miles and keep running whereas for some of us it, 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 we have to stop um, so <laughs> I can't run out the front door mate <laughs> So I think, anyway, sorry. I think what I'm saying here is that you're right, and in terms of what somebody would, you know, somebody even somebody like you say somebody with ADHD would pick up the all the words would come blur apart from that one. That becomes a standout word, and for some people, you could struggle to get them back if they be, if they get angry with that word. You can they can struggle to get back get them back down off the off the ceiling if you see what I mean because mm-hmm. once you've said something to them it's it's almost becomes oh no I'm this I'm this I'm this so if, you, if you're saying to somebody that's like saying to a, a child on 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 GCSE day um, fail, I don't know not failure is boring but getting GCSEs A GCSEs is boring do you see what I mean because yeah. you've then nullified what they've what they've achieved, and so, no matter what you've, what you've, what you said afterwards, they're only going to pick up on that. Um, and imagine if that's a child that's, it could be their only GCSE, or imagine that's a child that has struggled to 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 get a, a qualification. Um, so yeah, it's very important that you know. I think you're right there, and I think we need to. These things need to be challenged, um, and I think, like you say, somebody's saying these things. We can't walk on eggshells, but in some ways we need to, in terms of when we talk about mental health, because we need to we need to have words in our vocabulary that we can um, we 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 can talk to people and get messages out there. It's it's not this, and it's not one size fits all. So yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's an inclusive. We we need inclusive language. We need inclusive language and. That there's so much stigma that's still out there that we know we're near a point where we can we can have it that exclusive language if you like or, or nuanced language when we're in a position of responsibility or we're in a position of influence it's even more important um i did tweet the bloke <clears throat> and said look you know I, I don't think this is the best way of writing this and I invited anybody on my LinkedIn profile who knew him to put him in touch with me so I could talk to him because I'd love to talk to the bloke and understand why he was coming at it from that perspective and why he felt that language was appropriate and to invite him to to use his position of influence <coughs> and the good work that he does but not to you know sort of taint it with that kind of language because I just don't understand why he used it and I would like to understand more about why he thought that was the right way to go because at the end of the day inclusivity 
doesn't exclude Matt Haig either, in my mind. And, you know, perhaps Matt is lacking a, a degree of understanding or he thought that it was going to be inclusive for this reason or that reason. And, and we have, God knows, we have enough division everywhere as it is at the moment. Yeah. And I'm seeing more happen in the, the mental health community. I've seen this a lot lately. The division between, you know, oh, we, we're not talking enough. Oh, we're talking too much. Oh, we're doing this. And it's like, can we get, we need to get away from this idea that there is just one way yeah. of doing mental health. You know, mental well being is individual to us all. So creating an open and inclusive environment. Is, is so is so crucial. I know, you know, we talked before about a lot of the work that you've done in the past. Amazing work, by the way. And, and again, it's about inclusivity and bringing people into the fold, not excluding yeah, exactly. them. How do we get as many in that bubble, in that space, yeah. as we possibly can? Yeah. And what can we do as individuals to facilitate that, rather than being part of, even if we don't mean to, adding or creating new stigmas or new exclusions yeah, exactly. um that that's where i come from with it um, yeah. you know that's not saying not everybody agrees with me but in terms of disagreeing with it but you know that such is life that's yeah. what makes it interesting yeah, I guess, like you said life. we're all different so even if you have yeah even if you have twins they cannot walk in the same footsteps i always say this i always use this analogy you cannot even if they're twins, they don't, they don't walk in the fo- same footsteps. If you put snow, if there's snow there, they're not going to walk in. And even if they did walk in the footsteps, maybe it, they wouldn't get it exact. So it wouldn't be exact anyway. Yeah. So it would never be exact. And even if they walked, the, the knees and everything bent the same way, maybe the mind will be thinking something different because we're mm-hmm. all individuals. So when, even when you look at mental health, like you said, um, there's not one size fits all. So even if we've... Even if we, two of us have tried to commit suicide, for instance, um, what led to that? We would have had differences of that led to that. If we, if we both committed suicide, tried to commit suicide on this day, attempted it on this day, at the right moment, the exact same time, but maybe two inches apart, what would have led to each of us get to get into that point? And the fact is, mm-hmm. mental mental health. Would have, would have affected us in different ways, even if we're going to, towards the same path. Um, yeah. You know, and whatever that may be. So, like you said, it needs um, it needs um, maybe an open forum, something for everyone to come and, and talk. But also, what it needs is for, for people to come and talk to people on an individual level, and then talk as a group level to, to about some of the things that they like, like I was saying with the podcast. Now. On this podcast, I've had many people who have who have had who spoke about depression, but they've all. But when you go back into the the, the, the history, or you start to learn about them, is that they've they've got it in different ways because they're from diff, two different backgrounds. Or you know, I've spoken to someone yeah. from Uganda, and the way some, some of the things that you're telling me, the way that they deal with mental health theories is would be shocking because it's almost like back in time. You know, to, you know, mm-hmm. saying witchcraft and all this sort of stuff, and they, and they, they lock the people up for having mental health. And I think that's some we we would see that as barbaric, but they haven't caught up with they're trying to catch up with maybe the West in terms of what we do. Um, maybe not, the, you know, maybe not go as far as applying them with so many drugs or whatever, but maybe just talking. They're starting to learn about how we how to talk, and and their environment mm-hmm. would be different, but the mental health. 
things that they're going through are similar or the same. Um, you you're, you spoke about you've spoke you mentioned it a few times, and this is something that's become still apparent. Stigma. Um, this this thing still exists, and even though we're talking about it, we tend to be talking about it more. It's still this mm-hmm. stigma. What do you think? Uh, well, again, I'm just going to refer to one of those uh, time for change stats, which I think uh, they're, they're probably I use them because they're the starkest. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, they're, they're the ones you know they are the ones that really make you think. And I'm a mental health I'm mental health first aid trained as well. And <clears throat> when I did that course about a year ago, even though I considered myself a mental health advocate back then, I knew a, you know maybe realised I knew a fraction of nothing. Um, and some of those stats, like 90% of people with mental health problems experienced stigma. Oh, I mean, that's that's just absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, 65% of people with mental health problems reported stigma affecting friendships. 57% of people wow. have reported stigma affecting family. Um, and, and, a, and another stat, I, I know, you know, you, some of the work you've done, you know, one of the... One of the um, Minority ethnic groups are, oh, their, their mental health stats are <clears throat> quite shocking. There's 60% higher rates in minority ethnic groups than the white population. Now, you think about the the, 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 the stats already, you increase that by 60%. Yeah. And, oh my goodness, I mean, you know, it, that's that's just absolutely yeah. and it's just colossal, colossal numbers. Yeah, and it's been like that for... It's been like that for not been like that but in terms of mental health in 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 the you know ethnic minority or black population or you know across the board is is i remember you know not to kind of think but i remember when i was young, much younger and um it happened to a couple of people that we knew friends and they they you know just went from hero you could say hero to zero they committed suicide and they were gone and, it, and, and oh. people were starting to question what is happening, and it's, it's a it's a it's a relevant quick point. Why why is that happening in the? What is it that's why is that happening to in the? Why is it so big in the in 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 the community? Why what is that? What is making that happen? Is it is it um, lack of something? Is it is it? It could be loads of stats. It could be anything from schooling. It could be anything from. Um, uh, you know, like you say, uh, stigma. It could be anything, sh- struggling to cope with things. It could be poverty. It could be anything. But then, you know, I mean, I don't know what what answers. What, what we, we we and the only thing reason why we're here, we the only way we can get answers is maybe asking them, asking the questions, mm-hmm. asking them. Yeah. What is it? And I think that that again, it goes back to these doing things like what you're doing and and and. You, you put out the stats and, and the podcast is 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 trying to find out why why these things are happening what makes why the what the coping mechanisms why can't we cope is it and also is it more in men or more is it women men or is it equal what is actually happening um and you know you 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 you've you've you're in mental health and do you see there's a this there's, there's a, a, a a clarity a difference there in terms of men and women? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, 
So it's very difficult for me because I'm kind of right in the thick of it. Um, and I know I don't, and I know, you know, people will listen to this podcast and still be wondering what the heck I do. But, you know, I, I as I told you before, I, you know, out of respect for, yeah, for yeah, the work yeah, I do, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't really talk about yeah, it just yeah. to explain to the people on the, on the podcast. But it's, it's fair to say that, um, you know, I'm, I, I see the sharp end of the, of the stick where mental health is concerned. And I think, I, I've, I witness I witness people who are experienced severe mental health self 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 stigmatizing a lot. Um, it's very very common for people. In my personal experience, forget the stats now. From my personal experience, a huge amount of the of the work, if you like, that I do is sort of tackling self stigma, and that can be one of the. It's, it, it's often worse by the people experiencing the, the mental health um, illness that perhaps people outside would view it. Of course, there's still old-fashioned views. Um, and there's a lot around... I mean, we talk about mental health. I think it's important. This is a good sort of a jump to this point. We talk about mental health. The first thing that generally comes to mind with people is you know, anxiety and, and depression because they're, they're common. You know, mm-hmm. one, in, one in four people every year experience a mental health um, problem and, and generally speaking that's likely to be depression and anxiety but yeah. people don't understand that anxiety and depression can lead to psychosis that you know that that psychosis can can happen i can't remember the figures of this word but the, the figures are quite startling around how many people who experience an episode of psychosis in their lives it's a lot yeah, yeah. Um, and also how many people in the community live with schizophrenia um <clears throat> i worked it out on the size of a football stadium i wish i could remember what the figures were now I think, don't quote me on this please, but I think I'd worked it out and say an average sort of Premier League stadium, 35 to 40,000, I think about 400 people in that stadium would, based on the figures, would be experiencing schizophrenia. Uh, and, and you know, you'd think it's probably one person in your town or something, if, if that, and there's these associations that people have. And I, I must admit, before, before I worked with people who experienced schizophrenia, I was quite frightened of it. Because I didn't understand it, not that, not of the people, of the whole thing. Is that I just had no understanding of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when you understand how prevalent it is uh, and how it can and how it can happen, there are personality disorders. You know, um, bipolar disorder. Yeah. You know, emotionally unstable personality disorders. There's all these horribly titled things, and they are horribly titled. Um, and the the sort of mania that can be experienced by people that that are doing that, and they they can be working day to day next year. You'd never know because they're in a period of stability, and suddenly, you know, some people get so manic that they would suddenly feel like they can jump out of a window, and they're not trying to commit suicide. They just think they can fly yeah, yeah. because they're, that's how high a mania can can go, yeah. uh, and, and higher, or again, the opposite in terms of the depths of de- depression and, and people are walking around living with these conditions uh, that people don't understand or even know about or have even heard of you know and so when we talk about you know uh, stigma uh, stigma is still prevalent around anxiety and depression I mean what kind of stigmas are out there about personality disorders and yeah, schizophrenia yeah. so many people don't know about them I, I can you can just imagine what what you know what some people are who aren't educated and don't understand yeah, yeah. are, are going to be thinking about about that or you know they're going to be like schizophrenia is associated with violence for, for, yeah. for example but you know the, the figures about how again I haven't I haven't written all these down there there's too many to remember that but the figures about how many people who experience schizophrenia they're more 
they're hugely, hugely um, prevalent in terms of being abused or you, yeah. you know they're often the victims, not the not the perpetrators. Yeah. In a hugely disproportional amount. So there's so many general stigmas in society that we're not even talking about yet because we haven't got over the stigma about, you know, having anxiety and depression. And, and by the way, I come from a background of having pretty severe anxiety and, and, and bouts of pretty severe depression. I'm quite balanced, but I still have my relapses, yeah. but I, I'm much better at managing it. Uh, probably I'd like to give a couple of tips, I guess, before the end of the before the end of what people can do about work and stuff in yeah, terms yeah. of their mental health uh, to hopefully give them some things to think about that's a bit different than I've recently been looking looking at but yeah so stigma as a whole you can read these times of change facts and the other thing as well by the way is the Centre for Mental Health um, in the UK have just put out, uh, put out some information that they reckon almost 10 million people are going to need support for mental health yeah. due to the COVID situation, almost a fifth of your population. Now, when you draw down the stats around how much of that could become psychosis or psychotic episodes, uh, it, ooh, I mean, you know, we're heading into a... We're adding, it's a, it's a, that's another pandemic potentially in, in the offing if we don't um, and I don't want to go down the, I don't think this is the right show to go down the COVID route on because we're having some no, no, good no, conversation. Yeah, yeah. You know, we could both end up in a rabbit hole there, yeah, but yeah, yeah. in terms of the mental health yeah. effects, and 35% more children are going to meet the clinical diagnosis threshold for for mental health, according to an Oxford University yeah. study. The, the, these figures are mind-boggling. Yeah, so again, we go back to that. Is it boring, the conversation? Yeah. No, it's not boring, mate. It's essential. And the thing is, it could be, it could, they're just, they're just now, they're just the figures that they're predicting. Yes. Yes. And I don't, I can't see. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying be a doom and gloom merchant, but the bottom line is, those figures say that, it's not saying anything less. So, and we can see that if with the way things are going, it's not going to be less than that. It's going to be, it could be that and more. I agree. It can be that, it can literally I agree. be that and more. We're looking at here, well, let's just tap into something here. We tap into things like um, school. Let's just tap into the children's mm-hmm. side of things, the school. So they're not seeing their friends. Or if they are seeing their friends, mm-hmm. they, there's a, there's, there's a, they can't go near them. They can't touch. They can't. They can't hold or hug, or they can't go them in the classroom to kind of help them. Um, and then the families take them in the bubbles home. So then there's no sporting events, and there's all these things, and all these things then will children wait um, weight gain, weight gain in adults because they're not exercising. And all these things that they, could, they were doing before have been pulled away from them because of... Mm-hmm. I, I saw something today where it says, again, again, this is, I'm not going to advocate them because I've got my thoughts on the whole thing, but this organization that's been putting out certain things that what we're supposed to be doing, um, come out and said, that the lockdowns weren't supposed, they, they, was, they shouldn't have existed. They, um, they, they actually caused more problems, harms than good. But yet, there's, well, we know anyway. But so, 
what I'm saying to you is these things are causing, like you say, it can cause a lot more help, um, like you say, not just depression and anxiety. They, it, it could mm-hmm. cause, like you say, if people are already existing with schizophrenia, then what that, what's, what's it going to do then? What's it going to do to people's um, things like blood pressure? We've got all these things happening mm-hmm. in, 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 and there's n- nobody's talking about it. And then you've got, like you say, people coming and saying certain words that can then affect some mentality um, and mental health. Um, so you use, we can, maybe when we talk, I mean, I mean, we've got a few minutes left, but maybe it, when we do another podcast, maybe we could talk about you and how you managed to get from where you are to now. Yeah. Achieving great things. I mean, that's not to say you wasn't achieving great things, but you, we all come from somewhere to something. Um, yep. And you wasn't always in mental health. You wasn't always in that. So nope. you, you're doing things now. And I mean, what I mean by achieving great things, I mean helping others as well as helping yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How does, how, well, I kind of touch upon it for the moment. How does you helping others? help you how would you say that oh. <laughs> oh, oh what a great question that is uh, and oh you might not be expecting the answer um but in the environment let's just say in the environment and being exposed to mental health at the degrees that i am on a daily basis it doesn't always help it's the truth it will often force you to face your own demons and things that you were you know that you didn't realize might trigger your own mental health and and force you to look even deeper than you that you maybe realize i guess how it helps you in some ways it's never the intention um but it certainly forces you to become um more more sort of balanced and you know more considerate of your approach more inclusive in your approach be more willing to listen to different experiences challenge your own preconceptions challenge stigmas you didn't even realize you had i didn't realize i had it i, I helped carried stigmas around it around schizophrenia but i did and i you know what when I, when i faced that square on and realized it Oh, I felt shame and guilt and horrible, you know. I'm like, oh, I'm a mental health advocate. I can't feel like this. What the heck is this like? So, you know, in terms of... um, I do like to help people. And I think that there's, um, there's a great sort of sense of spirit and purpose you can find when you are out there doing what you do because you want to see other people succeed and happy um you know you do you can take a sense of of kind of pride i guess from that in a way and satisfaction and and, and that does it does feel good um sometimes but i think predominantly i guess when you work in fields and and i'd imagine it's the same having heard about you know some of the work that you've done some of the experiences that you face can be extremely challenging yeah. and you almost have to remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing yeah. you know what I mean because it can be actually quite <laughs> frightening sometimes yeah. to yourself and, and challenging and you feel like an imposter or should I really be here have I got any right to be doing this work you know you, you have all these 
self-doubts like you know many of us do again we hide away within that sense of you know mental our mental wellness isn't isn't what it could be in that sense um so yeah i think i'm driven by a sense that it is important yeah and it is crucial to this point in our as a global community you know we're from we're from similar places we now live in very different places but we still feel a sense of community within the mental health sphere and obviously you know our friendship and and that's yeah uh, does that does that answer the question of our our, our rabbit dog no no because (laughs) because what you said then you, you you first said kind of in a sense not you said no not no but you kind of mixed it but then you actually went on to say it actually does help you because what happens is you, you start to question yourself you start because sometimes I ask these I ask a question, similar question to people and, and first they go on and then then they start to speak and then you realise that it does help them it does mm. even though we, we have still have to look after our own mental health we still have to look our, after mm-hmm. our own um and sometimes there'll be situations where we kind of go, you know, kind of scratch our heads and, um, I don't know, you, you, you've got to be tough in, in, you've got to be, you've got to have a, men, a certain mentality or, or a toughness about you to, because of some of the stories you may hear and some of the... Yeah. the resilience, I call yeah, it. Resilience, resilience. Resilience. Yeah, I've heard that in the podcast quite often, a resilience, the word resilience. Um, I say I've got a friend who works in in a, in a care home, in a care mm-hmm. facilities, and it's a secure mm-hmm. unit. And he says some of, you know some of the things that happen, some of the things that the kids, the, the, the children, and the young people come in with. It's 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 he said it's some of the things are harrowing. Do you know what I mean? But he's been yeah. work, he's been working there for like twenty years, twenty odd years, and he he. He learns how to switch off and, and kind of deals with it. And sometimes he's it's yeah. one way he gets to sleep over and stay over. Um, so he's, mm-hmm. he's in, and he says some of the, some of the stories that you hear, and it's not their yeah. fault. It's not their fault that nope. this has happened. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's never you know, it's never any as a child because we know that a lot of the traumas um, that we have that stay with us and maybe get rectified later happen at in the childhood. I think it happens between mm-hmm. naught and say 15 or something like that. Um, things happen at that point. Um, and later on, we, we recollect it and we try to deal with it or we haven't dealt with it up until a po- certain points where we have a breakdown. And then we mm-hmm. chase it back and think, oh, this isn't where that happened. Um, I think where I'm going with it is, is I remember speaking to a, a guy on the, on, on, on the podcast who had he he was getting um, domestic violence from his partner, his wife. And he was yeah. wondering why he was apologising for not... And he wasn't doing anything. And, he, and he, mm. you know, the police were being called out and and they were, think, they were looking at him. The first time they think it was him because it was a man. And he mm. was going, no, it's not me, it's, it's her. And, you know, he had to get... He had to get documents to kind of see and she would admit it or whatever. And he transferred it back to his childhood that when his mum used to hit him all the time, he'd mm. he'd run away, but then he'd come back and apologise to his mum, even if it's something that he didn't do wrong. Wow. 
So he, 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 and he that has trans and that has stayed with. But he hadn't thought about it until that point where until the point where his his thing. So when you look at that, the traumas that we have as the can can affect us from a young age, and quite often it's a large percentage of it where we have traumas that we we will trace it back. Is it's as a young age. So yes, what you said there. Um, you, you know, you, you kind of, you, you said it in a nutshell that you, you are, because you, 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 you're not doing it because you, you know, you hate the job or whatever, you, you, it's, it's something about it that keeps you there and that you like or something mm-hmm. that you're doing to help people, whether it's yeah. um, to talk to somebody, whether it's to talk on this podcast, whether it's to get a message out there, um, whether it's to talk mm-hmm. to a friend, family member, you do it because mm-hmm. you want to. Because um, if you didn't want to, you wouldn't do it. Um, so I would say, you know, in terms, I was going to ask you a thing about this um, self-stigmatizing. Mm-hmm. When people are doing it, are they saying, are they, are they saying it to themselves? And then, if somebody says, oh, um, I don't know, someone comes up to them and talking to them, I'm, I'm depressed. Is that what is that what we're saying about self-stigmatizing? Are they are they are they yeah. Well, from, from, from the many, and I've had many now, many, many conversations with people, both through sort of the work that I do and through friendships, I think that self-stigmatizing is almost an embarrassment. Do you know what I mean? It's almost yeah, like yeah. an embarrassment. So, so there's that, yeah. which prevents, which for, from the way I look at it, it's like a self-stigmatizing, which then turns into it can turn into guilt around behavior i mean there's so many different things yeah, it can turn yeah, into yeah. guilt around yeah, yeah. around behavior it can be not wanting to make a fuss you know it's not worth it you know what i mean i'm not only suffering from this somebody else is far worse off it's it can be from you know feeling weak and disempowered and, and not you know that if i admit to this i'm showing i'm a weak person i mean i think the the sort of realm of stigma and, and self-stigmatizing, it, again, just like mental health itself, well, whilst it might have certain commonalities in terms of how it presents, in, in terms of what the stigma is, or in, like what's driving, as you so eloquently mentioned earlier, that in terms of how we both, you could both end up at the same devastating path you know, points at the end of your journey from complete different angles. I think the same is the same, the same, the same, I can't give me words out, the same for stigmatizing. I think it's so different and so individual again that we can use a, the broad brush term stigma. I guess it can often be viewed as somebody pointing fingers and yeah, you know what I mean, what yeah, the common yeah, thing is, yeah. a man being weak or a yeah, yeah. woman being emotional or you know, all this crap that, that gets spoken about. But I think if you go down deeper into what stigmatizing means that to each individual, it will be so, so different. And, and all and manifest differently and feel differently, take you on different paths. I think the just the important thing to know is that is to, if you're thinking about mental health yourself, if you're experiencing not feeling yourself, not, you know, it doesn't mean to say you have to be happy all the time. I mean, you know, you ain't Tigger. No one expects happy clappy every five minutes. I mean, that's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that's not, yeah. you know, that could be mania. Do you know what I mean? That could be mania. I don't want to yeah. give it, make everyone hypochondriacs if you like, but you could be experiencing mania if you're just yeah. always hyper. 
Um, you know, so it, that doesn't mean that's, but if you're not feeling sort of balanced and well within what you know is, is yourself, sometimes it's good to just ask yourself the question, you know, why why don't I want to talk about this? Why, what, am I ashamed? You know, am I frightened? I mean, it could be anything that's driving that decision to self-stigmatize. But what I often find in terms of how it manifests is it will just stop somebody taking action to resolve an issue that they have around mental health. So that's the ultimate result that I see has a negative impact on themselves, on their confidence, on their surroundings, maybe family, work, uh, uh, because of the the fear of what asking for help might might result in. But what is behind that fear? Oh my word! I mean, that's a that can be a right soup of, as you say, previous traumas. And and I haven't mentioned PTSD all the way through this. I mean, you you know, you have that in there. You know, people assume that PTSD means flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, you know that you're going to disappear into that that sort of oh, that that state of being in that moment and experiencing that trauma all over again, but it doesn't. I mean, the flashbacks, those intense, fully encompassing flashbacks are actually not that common in PTSD. There's a lot of other symptoms around PTSD and many other mental health conditions that all feed into each other and can be quite difficult to untangle. I think, and that can also make it difficult when people are self-stigmatizing because they might not even know how to explain what they're experiencing. Exactly. So until we, yeah, so until we, we provide that inclusive, open environment, where it's okay to just to talk about these things. I'm feeling this actually. What, what does that mean? Is that anxiety? Heart palpitations? Flashbacks? You know what I mean? Or hearing voices? I mean, you know what I mean? Hearing voices, all of a sudden you're a oh, crazy person. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, there's there's yeah, all these stigmas yeah, yeah. that are still around. Yeah. Let's face it, if you started hearing voices, most people, I would imagine, taking a guess, sitting down, suddenly start hearing, you know, somebody chatting in their ear. I, I can imagine quite a lot of people in staff cells. Uh, start stigmatizing themselves around that wouldn't yeah, they yeah, uh, well, yeah. that's that's the kind of society we still live in globally where where there's so much opportunity for stigma that it's impossible to pick it apart and give it a very definitive meaning or condition or um uh what's the word i'm looking for i've used a lot of words today in my job so forgive me no no no, no. <laughs> present Presentation, so you yeah, can yeah. present yourself in many different ways. So you're basically what you're saying there is that the mental, for for, the, for people who are self-stigmatizing, what can happen mm. is it puts a mental block on, to, and it mm. put a mental block on to the point where they're frozen, they can't do, they, they, they're afraid to do something, or they're afraid to speak, or they're afraid mm. to to make a mistake, or afraid to do something. Um, Seek treat, seek treatment, speak seek to somebody. Treatment, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know what? I, when you said that, I found that with um, I found that over the years, and particularly with I go back to children because again, this is something where we need to kind of start to we we need to we need to start talking about it more because mm. in children it's starting to happen. You know, children are starting to talk about things like. Child talking, a child at seven or eight talking about suicide. If you can, where did you get that word from? Do you know what I mean? When when is a child ever yeah. heard that? And I've heard it, and I've heard people talk about it on, on on various episodes where they've worked with children and the kids, the children talking about. Are you thinking that, that shouldn't be in your vocabulary at that age? Mm. But the very fact that you've got that word, but you're going to do it, 
and you're thinking about it mm-hmm. and some some children have because what I've come across is when some of the children if they've got um, they've, they've gone to get diagnosed with they've got diagnosed with ADHD and they're on, they're on you know Ritalin or whatever they'll actually say I'm I've got ADHD mm-hmm. I'm thinking for me I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't get my child to be saying I wouldn't let my child to be saying that because then it puts like you said it puts a block it would put a block on them because it's almost like that you said they're self-stigmatizing them still actually saying I've got and telling people I've got ADHD when they, then there was no need to say it you don't have people walking around saying um, oh I'm normal or whatever normal is I, I haven't got ADHD you don't have people walking around saying that but yet somebody who's... I think... Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. I think what I would... I mean, it's interesting. And I'm going to... Sorry to do this yeah, to you, yeah. but I'm going to challenge you a little bit on this, which is... Uh, I, I wonder whether or not, you know, part of part of that... And by the way, I, I think it's a lot more nuanced. I'm just... This yeah, is just yeah, for yeah. an example. Whether or not, you know, an ADHD... I don't know much about that, but we'll, we'll use it, use it as, as an example. Um, is... Is that again, though, stigma, so kind of stigmatizing? If the child's walking around saying, first and foremost, why, why are they saying it? What, what's the yes. motivation behind it? I would want to know what's the context behind it. And, and this is something that's been drilled into me over the last couple of years, you know, in the, in the work I do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's looking at context. And so, what's the context of that child speaking like that? And is it in a healthy way or is it not? Because this is where I think the Matt Haig point got lost. I think it's relevant here is that yeah. no Matthew the mental health conversation is not boring however yes we also need to talk about what comes after so in terms of what my beliefs are now around mental health the first thing is acknowledgement okay understanding self-understanding perhaps forgiveness getting that help that you need and kind of accepting almost where you are you know, yes, okay, I have this condition, it's anxiety, this is the reason that I have it, here's the biological reason, is perhaps some of the psychological reasons. Uh, but if you're not careful then, at that point, and this is where I say the dan- I would think the danger zone maybe with those that keep walking around saying I do say, do they become completely defined by that condition at right. that point? So, so they they are acting within that sense. What so the conversation to have after the other conversation um you can tell he's still playing on my mind anyway the conversation you then have to have have oh god have to have afterwards for for a positive outcome if you like is what now what now yeah what what can i do to move forward yes and manage the condition if you like except it's there so then you don't it's like i have i have anxiety right so the last couple of weeks i've had a nightmare i've had some major relapses and i posted about re, i posted about it on linkedin you know i've had a bit of a relapse i'm sharing this because i just want to show you what happens to you might not expect it to happen to me doors i'm sharing it just to show you it still happens but but i'm not going to talk about my anxiety on every single post you know mm. i'm not going to go into that detail yeah, yeah, yeah. and tell everybody about it over and over again i'm not going to walk around like you say i'm not going to walk into my local you know the local supermarket yeah, yeah, yeah. and tell it's like i got i got anxiety mate did you know do you know what i mean and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know tell everybody all the way around because 
that that doesn't feel very healthy to me. That doesn't feel like it's pro progressing. You're almost stuck then. So you've moved through stigma into this acceptance phase, but now you're stuck there. Yes. You're not actually moving into the healing, into that healing phase, into into that recovery phase or the management phase, um, which is a, where I spend a lot of my time is in that acceptance, recovery, management phase yeah. that moving people forward and i think that kid you know that example i've got there why are you saying that all all the time to everybody what's the positive aspects of your personality that we can focus on how are you going to take them to move forward and then you change the framework so it isn't yeah. just so they feel disadvantaged and different and and, and that's where the danger zone is and that's and and when you said there about the the the, the... <laughs> The challenging. I, when I said, I thought, yes, and you're right. You're right that it is. It, where do you take this? Because I've often said, you know, some some children saying, oh, I'm rubbish or this or whatever, and it's it's not about whether you know. I don't say you you know you're rubbish or you know where's rubbish? Rubbish rubbish belongs in a bin. It's not you know you're not rubbish. You're, you're, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I've said that you know to, to children and they kind of looked at me, gone out, and 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 then they realised, oh, you're right. Because um, it's about yeah. challenging, <laughs> and so when when and I was thinking that if a child, one of my, my one of my issues with the, with a child doing that was, then it it nullifies anything their existence as a mm. as particularly as a child. And when I say children, I'm talking about you know nine years old, eight years old, seven years old. Yeah. For them to then give themselves, you know, it's almost like they've gone with the parents to this to get diagnosed and yeah. with you know on Ritalin or whatever it may be and it's almost like oh this is me and this is me for life do you see what I mean mm. and that's mm. where that's the part where I'm 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 kind of like mm, re- you know as a child I'm not talking about someone who's who's an adult who we're we that you yeah. say anxiety if you wanted to you could go and say it to everybody but you've you you've got you've got other words in your vocabulary to yes to to um, whereas child has doesn't have as many words as an adult. So when they say mm. that and then you ask them, they can't give an explanation. Mm. They just say, oh, "I've got ADHD." Or, mm. Yeah, um, I I think you're making a great valid point. Uh, totally, and and this is the one point I, what I do always believe in doing is is acknowledging where I don't have knowledge. Um, and for me, this is this is one of those fields. I think you've raised some really interesting points, and hopefully, you maybe get you know someone who's more. No, um, yeah, I know, yeah. I'm just, I think yeah, you know, yeah, who understands the children's perspective yeah. on mental health? Because I think that's something we all need to understand more about. Well, yeah. How is a healthy way to deal with this with children? Because actually, the points you've raised, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I know how to deal with an adult or a, you know a young yeah, adult, but point, a, a child, point, I, I don't know. And at some point, that child is going to become an adult. So that's where, yeah, we, we look at both ends of the scale, middle. Not just both ends, in the middle, everything to do with mental health. Mm. And I think part yeah. of it is is including um, children and young people, and like I said, I've, I've, yeah. you know, I've, you know, that with, you know, I've, I've spoken to some, you know, in the past, I remember speaking to a, a guy who's, um, he he'd got PTSD and all sorts, and he'd come, he'd been in the army, and mm-hmm. basically he was waking up. He told me that he would, he's, he's waking up with, basically the army didn't do anything, do anything to help him. 
and he was waking up with in the middle of the night and he was doing things like in cold sweats and um and shouting out stuff and blah blah and he was literally and no one was helping him so we've got so many different aspects of it people who are veterans people who are, and then the, like you say and then you go back to the other spectrum of the children um it's about helping others and like you said and you're saying something there is what we need is we need a a, a massive talk about this it shouldn't be something where they they go into um <laughs> they say years ago it was the asylum they go to a medical yeah. hospital, a mental hospital or go to a hospital it should be something where you break your leg you know you're gonna someone knows it's broken get treatment for it mental health should for be sure. mental health should be should be as 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 equal if not more than I, I, agree. I, I couldn't agree with you more I couldn't agree, and until we will know the stigma in our society until you feel uh, until the point you feel just as comfortable going to your doctor yes. with uh, with feeling anxious as you do with a bummed up nose. Yes. You know, I, I think that's that's exactly how I how I try and explain it. That's how you know the stigma's gone when you go, oh, I'm feeling a bit off colour. I'm going to the doctor, sit down, yeah, palpitations, sweating racing thoughts just that at the moment ah oh, that's anxiety yeah okay so you know just do this you know social yes. prescribing yes. maybe that you know so perhaps some medication some can help you know what i mean that, those kind whatever it is that work mindfulness you know whatever it is that it's just so normal that we don't then get stuck in the damn conversation over and over again in cycles but we actually you just actually go you know acknowledge it you know recognize it treat it recover or, or manage and and move on and just go to that young people get another stat for you yeah yeah, yeah yeah feel like a pop feel like a football commentator but this is this is this is a shocker leading back to your your sort of young people so 20 percent again this is the uh, uh, time for change so 20 percent of young people say the stigma that they experience made them want to give up on life yes that's 26 there's a quite over a quarter yes it's absurd yeah uh, and like you say so are we anywhere near the conversation being boring in any way, shape or form? Are we anywhere near it being as normal as going to the doctors with a runny nose? Uh, no, no, we're miles away. Miles, miles away, unfortunately. It's the cold, hard fact. I'm going to say to you, because we could do this, I want to do this again, um, definitely. I want to do more, because I think we could, we could, there's so much more in depth. Um, what would you say to somebody out there today? Tomorrow, whenever this podcast goes out, whenever they listen to it, what would you say to somebody who may be struggling with what's happening mentally with themselves or someone else that they see struggling? What would you say to them? What kind of advice, that one line you'd say to them? Well, I think it's one line. <laughs> Probably knows I struggle with that. <laughs> one paragraph. One paragraph. Can I compromise? You can, you can, you can, you can extend it to whatever. But I mean, just something that you, it, something they could take home with them, take away with them. The first, okay. So the main, the main, the main thing is, is that okay? Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Everybody has mental health. Exactly. Everybody has mental health. 
Then I'd go in to say, go and seek help, speak to your doctor, talk to a friend, blah, blah, blah. Also, what I want to say, actually, if I can, I want to give some practical advice here um, around work. Now, there's a lot of people going to be experiencing, and anybody's listening to this, I really want you to listen hard on this. Um, In in the UK, this is specifically, because I don't know about anywhere else, but in the UK, in the work environment, if you are struggling with work, there are things that you can request within the workplace to help you manage stress at work. There are, there is an act that covers this called the Equality Act. Um, it covers mental ill health. Right. You can request things in work called reasonable adjustments. If you just look online at reasonable adjustments, you'll find guidance on the ACAS website. There's a, oh God, I wish I could remember the name of it. There's an equality website which gives you template letters on how to apply for reasonable adjustments in the workplace. They can be anything from amended duties to slight change in hours to perhaps a reduced caseload if you work with a specific amount of people. You know, there's, you know, a quieter environment. There's all kinds of different things that are classed as reasonable and will usually cost an employer. You know, 60%, I think, cost less than 100 quid to, to implement. There are there, there are ways and means of asking for these things with your sort of HR departments, and, and they are they are kind of enshrined in law, the, the ability to ask for these reasonable adjustments. And I would also recommend, if you're struggling at work, looking into things called well-being action plans. And you can find these on the web, um, websites like Mind website, and what you do is you go through and look at the areas that you might find stressful at work, look at things that you do that help you at work, and you can work with your managers or your HR to put these things together to help you stay well at work. And there's also things called Strive and uh, Survive. Is it Survive and Strive? Oh, gosh. We'll maybe talk about that one next one. But there are, I want people to understand that even if you're stressed at work, that there are things that you can do that any half decent employer when informed about okay yeah so yeah we had, we had a slight interruption there emotional <laughs> break <laughs> so yeah just to recap again if you're struggling at work re- go on the ACAS website and look at reasonable adjustments ACAS are the default employment law advisory service in the UK. Essentially, if you're at work, um, ACAS are the minimum standards of, you know, work environment that you should be around. So you can look at there for the advice on reasonable adjustments. Go to the Mind website, have a look at their well-being action plans. Begin to formulate one of those for yourself to help you stay well at work. Um, if you are experiencing mental health, you know, as we all experience mental health. You know, 10 million people looking at extra, looking at requiring support. Again, go to Mind. There's a Mind signposting line. It's advertised on their website. I don't remember it offhand. Suicide. Think about the Samaritans. There are so many different organisations out there that can that can help, and they're manned. Oh, woman, uh, pe- peopled. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> by, by people who by people who are there because they care. So if you're sitting there thinking nobody cares. There's a lot of people out there who care. I care. I can't help everybody. I help as many as I can. But there's a fair few of us out there 
who are real passionate advocates of wanting people to feel as well as they can and begin that recovery journey. So never feel like you're alone. There's always somebody on those phone lines that gives a damn about you right now. And the, the other thing to think about is, and I'm going to broach it, if you're thinking about suicide, if you're having suicidal ideation, if you're, you know, considering completing suicide, any of those things, just just talk to somebody as quickly as you possibly can and get get some support. There's nothing wrong with receiving support and people do care and they're not going to judge you for it when you call these places up. That They're there to help you through that process. Even if your family and friends are judgmental, there are people out there who are not. And I'm driving this this home really strongly, but that's because I believe that every single one of you who might listen to this, you have a life that is valuable to you and to other people. And even if it's people you might not know yet, it will become so. And even sometimes sharing your story can help save another person's life. And I, and I will share this message relentlessly, knowing that we're just in the hope that one person listening to this will pick that phone up and make that phone call and you know maybe they'll go on to become a mental health advocate further down the line man but there are people who care i promise you promise you there are and it can be feel tough and not like that right now but there are they really really are and and if you are in that space and, and i talk quite frankly to people about this um, if you look at the research about people who attempted suicide, attempted to complete suicide and failed, they all reported that the moment they tried it, they instantly regretted it. Yeah. And they've shared that, and there's loads of people out there who share that story, that as soon as they tried, they regretted it straight away. And there was yeah. nothing they could do, but they survived to tell the tale. And that is the tale that they will tell you. Yeah. Get help. Don't suffer alone. Yeah, and that's that's you know that's yeah. my nag done. No, no, thank you for that. I mean, that was very powerful, um, and you know, um, you're very obviously a very passionate person, and, and you know, I mean, like we all are. We all want to help, um, and we all. Mm. Want, and if somebody out there, you get this message, anybody, please listen to what he says. Um, get help. Talk to somebody. Talk to someone quickly, and um, mm. you know. Um, I hope you guys get get well, get well, um, because like you said, there's 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 somebody out there that you you might have an impact on as well. So thank you, Richard, for coming on. Um, and Thanks for inviting me. It's been really really nice. No, Chris, thank you. Really good. Um, I mean, like I say, I want to do it again. You know. Yep. That mean like in like ten months. I mean, like as quickly as possible, so we can get this out of there. Um, okay. So it'd be brilliant. Um, to, you know, to talk about your journey um, mm. and obviously that's interesting that one <laughs> yeah no that would be a good one because obviously there's a lot of um, passion there and things like that so yeah thank you for coming on and um, mm-hmm. do, um, can you say where you can be found can you be found on LinkedIn or yeah you can find me you can find me I'm not prepared to, to, to I don't know how you read a link out on LinkedIn uh, Richard Pryor on LinkedIn um I'll probably be sharing this on LinkedIn anyway. So just search for me. You'll see me as a mental health advocate. Um, okay. You know, I, I welcome I welcome connection requests. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not snobby, if you like, whatever the right word is. Very been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like to, I, you know, I have an inclusive 
community, you know, a few different views are welcome. I've got uh, a Twitter account as well, which I can't remember the name of right now because I've only just set it up, but that's going to be That's Mental Health Live, which is me in trying to encourage uh, uh, a million conversations on mental health. If you do see me, you'll see I've got seven followers, and one of those followers is Neville Southall, which is pretty random. So, because um, he's yeah. big into mental health and yes, stuff know, as well. So that, that was... Yeah, so, I've tried to contact um, him, but he hasn't. Yeah, I've tried to contact him before, but he never. He's never replied to. We'll see. Oh, it'd be interesting to talk to. Um, let me see if I can hook you up, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll ask him and see. Yeah, see um, you, you might know that I'm a Liverpool supporter. That's anything. Yeah, well, we won't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> right. We won't tell him. It's probably an Everton t-shirt, mate. Oh, <laughs> right, and that right. was men are nuts. Speak to you soon.